guys. Welcome to our third episode of our mini quest segment that we've been doing. Um, today's topic is going to be Scream, and it's just me and Scott this week, and we brought on two guests, my sister Hannah and her boyfriend Addison. Hell yeah. Welcome, guys. What up? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What up? <laughs> um, so we're talking about Scream today because it's my favorite scary movie. So a couple weeks ago, we talked about slasher flicks, and we didn't really talk about Scream because I wanted it to have its own little episode because, in my opinion, it's worthy of its own episode. But I was doing some research about the movie, and I found out that it's actually based on a real-life serial killer called the Gainesville Ripper. And it's kind of interesting because it happened in 1990, but they didn't actually catch the guy until a couple years later. And he was in prison for armed robbery, and they happened to ask, like, Florida did a thing where... They got all these inmates' DNA, and it happened to match. So he didn't actually get caught doing it at the time. It was just happenstance. They got DNA out of his tooth. Oh, it's like they did. It's like they caught that other guy. They had like 90 bodies, most prolific serial killer. They caught him because of DNA. <laughs> yeah. So this they he killed five students in Gainesville, Florida, in the matter of four days and was literally not convicted until two years later just by happenstance. But... um. There's a lot of similarities between the real life murders and like what happened in Scream. So the guy was only caught because he was already in jail. So if this man hadn't got arrested for armed robbery, they probably never would have. Yeah, so the murders happened in 1990. He got arrested in a high speed chase after like some armed robbery incident in 91. And then after he was already in prison, they just did a thing. Because DNA was starting to come out. Right. So they got the DNA of everybody that was in prison in Florida and started matching them to cases, and his match DNA found at the crime scene of one of the Gainesville murders. Dumbass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Kevin Williamson, he was kind of a... He was in film, but he was doing like a lot of like news stuff too. Um, but he just saw this on TV on the news one night and started writing the script for Scream. And it went around several people until... Wes Craven actually picked it up. Wes Craven's the goat. Yeah, he's pretty great. So, um, Gail Weathers is actually based on a character because one of the big things about this was that a journalist was the first person to come up on the scene of the first murder, and that's who Gail Weathers' character is based on. Um, then another thing that like caught them off guard was that the crime scenes were like staged when they would find the bodies. They he would have the murderers set up the bodies in certain positions and like kind of like in scream when he does it, you know, how he, he hung them from the tree with the yep. guts spilling out. He did things like that, but he also cleaned up the crime scene. So they didn't get DNA until like the last murder. And it was like very small, slight chance that they just found it randomly. It wasn't like he blatantly left it. Cause he, he's very meticulous about cleaning up his scenes and everything. But other than that, that's really it. It's just that it was students being murdered. Everything that he wrote, though, else is like his own story. Pretty intense. They get yeah. whacked. It's cool that they added the Gail Weathers thing in there, though, because I had no idea that the first person to show up one of the first scenes was a reporter. And that's why her character is like so insane about just like getting the story. Because yeah. it's kind of satirical. Yeah, they said that this lady that they made her character after would just ride around at night listening to the police scanner. And that that's how she so was ridiculous. Obsessive. Yeah. <laughs> and so that is why Gail Weathers' character is like that. Um, but Scream, Scream is like insane. It, it has a way bigger following than I thought. 
when the new movie came out in January, I've always loved them. But after that movie came out, it was like people came out of the woodwork again. And all these fan pages started popping up on Facebook. And I'm in a lot of them. One of the biggest ones is the Woodsboro Film Club. And people are active all day long. And they talk about Scream all day, every day. And so it's crazy to me that it had this big of a following the whole time. You never knew it. That's the film club from four, isn't it? The Wordsboro Film Club. That's the one that the two kids started in four. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then Ghostface is iconic, of course. Like, even if you haven't seen that movie, you've seen the costume. Which, it was a costume before the movies, but it wasn't known as Ghostface. He's, like, one of the best. Only because of how goofy... They yes. make that character out. Like, you know, anybody can be behind the mask, but they're all so goofy. Like, they trip over themselves, they crash into things. I'm like, this is the world's worst, which I know it's supposed to be like that, you know what I mean? But the world's worst murderers just going around terrorizing all these folks. Well, I think that's what makes it great, because even though he's clumsy and you're laughing, you're still scared at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're still anxious, watched him chase people around and die from right. death. That was actually Wes Craven's uh, daughter that caused that because when he was like making the movies and stuff, his daughter kept watching horror movies and she was like, how come no one ever fights back or kicks him or does anything? And he was like, yeah. And then he started, so he put that in the movies now that every time like he would fight or something, the girl would always kick him and he would trip and everything. Cause the daughter was like, that's not realistic. Yeah. So he did that literally for his daughter. So I think that's pretty cool too. That is pretty cool. Well, it kind of made that character too though. Separates them from the rest of them. Yeah. yeah, makes it a lot better. So the dark and ominous, just slowly walking and can catch, you know, a man full sprint. You know. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's what makes it different, though, is because like with other horror movies, like you know it's gonna happen. Like it's just <laughs> yeah. a constant fight. But with this, they're kicking. They get away. He comes back. They get away again. He comes back again, and then finally they're dead. Right. <laughs> Or they might not die, you know. Some yeah, that's true. People do get away in this franchise because he'll disappear, this or that, if he can't get them fast enough. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> or if their identities are about to be given up, they'll they'll yeah. kind of ditch out on the victim because yeah. they they want to save it for the dramatic yeah. ending. <laughs> Henny, you dressed up as Ghostface when you're for Halloween, didn't you? I did, and I'm standing next to you in the picture, and you're dressed up as a princess, <laughs> and I'm just standing there with my mask on and my knife, being like, "Hey." <laughs> hey. <laughs> that's the best that I think that was before I mean that was before I watched the movies we were too young I hadn't watched it yet but I remember watching it for the first time because I used to love horror movies but then when I got older like 18 19 it started like freaking me out too bad my anxiety would get to me and so I like cut back on them but I watched this one and it's just scary enough to like still hook me in but un unscary and satirical enough to like I'm relaxed it doesn't like freak me out too bad and I love it because I can watch it like any time of the day if I'm home by myself it doesn't bother me that's why I like it so much yeah I know (laughs) any time of the day I never seen this movie before I met her and really yeah and now I ain't gonna lie I mean it's pretty great you introduced me to something that's it's pretty good movie but We've probably seen it about 7,000 times. <laughs> it has so much rewatch value. Uh, yeah. It's funny every time, too. It never gets old. Yeah. And it has one of the, it's one of the few horror movies that has some of the best humor. Because not many horror movies can have that very steady, constant humor going on. They do a good job on the line. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, like, 
it's still when you rewatch it, it still has so much anticipation. Like you still feel that, like the scene um, where he's behind um, Randy, like on the video camera and stuff like that, and you see it, and you're just like, I've seen that scene so many times, and it's like, oh my god, he needs to get up, he needs to move, he's about to get stabbed, knowing that he's not, but you still kind of feel that every time you watch it. So yeah. That's one of the perfect scenes that encapsulates all of Scream, though, is just because he's watching Halloween and he's like, Jamie, <laughs> behind you. And then you have the the news reporter and the other chick outside in the van watching him with the 30 second delay, yeah. not realizing that he's already out of there. And then even in Scream 5, you have the chick watching the movie of the scene of where they're watching him watching the movie. It's so meta that it's like meta times six. What's even funnier is that he's yelling at Jamie Lee Curtis, but his it's played by Jamie Kennedy. So when he's yelling, Jamie (laughs) run. Also he's Jamie and he needs to run. It's clever. Yeah. Wes Craven's so good at that though. Yeah. Just making everything so meta and it just keeps like, squaring itself basically yeah um two though every time i watch it i see another easter egg like something i didn't catch the time before like one of the last couple times i watched it was the first time i noticed that the janitor was dressed up like freddy krueger in the hallway yep and then you told me that that was wes craven was it you that told me that that wes Mm -hmm. craven actually played him he made yeah that's wes craven yeah what was it like the fourth movie or something when they first come in and they're I think it was like the Hollywood set or something. Mm-hmm. Is that the fourth one? Yeah, third one. That's third the third one. one, yeah. Third one. And they're driving through the Hollywood set, and it goes by the street sign, and it's Elm Street. Well, Sidney Prescott lives on Elm Street in the first movie. Yeah. 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 But, I mean, that's Wes Craven made Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, he yeah, made the first one, so. Yeah, because in the, in the second one, I think, that's the one where they're in college, right? Yep. Yeah. The in, in the dorm room behind them, you see Freddy Krueger's sweater hanging up in there, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's like a there's a bunch of stuff in in that movie. Like I just saw one today on Facebook, um, where Tatum, you know, the iconic outfit where she's in the tin jersey mm-hmm. and it's like folded up. And she's got on her red pants. That mimics uh, Johnny Depp's character in Nightmare on Elm Street. He wears a number ten jersey. I never the knew crop that. Top. I saw that today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, another thing that I noticed too. Because we just watched this movie like three nights ago. Another thing I noticed is when, um, in the first scene when Drew Barrymore's character, I can't remember her name, but um, when her parents get home, the her dad tells the mom to go run to the next door's neighbor neighbor's house. He calls them the McKenzies, and that's a throw to Halloween because when Laurie Strode, Jamie Lee Curtis's character, is telling the kids to run, she tells them to run across the street to the McKenzies, and so that was something else that I caught because Halloween is like. Out of the OG ones, that Halloween's my favorite. So I've seen that a million times too. And so I caught that the other night. It's just every time you watch it, you catch something else. There's so much stuff in it. Um, but then like there's there's some fun facts too, like the party scene at Stu Mocker's house, it took them twenty one days to film that. And they cause they would only film from like dusk till dawn. And so it took them twenty one days. And when they got done recording it, they got everybody T-shirts that said uh, "I survived scene 118," and it's considered the longest night in horror history for horror films. Uh, but that's insane—21 days. That's almost a whole month of filming. Yeah, one spot. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Wild. <laughs> Which, if you think about it, a majority of the movie takes place in that. Yeah, in towards that, the last half. Yeah. So 
Another thing about the first movie is that one of the cops that that comes up on the scene, I mean, he's just got a minor part and you wouldn't know it, but his the actor's name is Joseph Whip, and he's actually the sheriff in Nightmare on Elm Street. And he play he just plays like a low time cop in Woodsboro and Scream. And there's like an inside joke on the set that he he got done with everything happened in that town and he demoted himself and came to Woodsboro. It kind of connects it to being in like the same universe. Yeah. Um, but then I've also I've also seen a lot of stuff that's people love Tatum's character and wish like that's the one of the main characters that people wished hadn't died, which is weird to me because I would bring back Randy before I brought back Tatum. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, do y'all think that Tatum should have been a final girl? No. I didn't either. I just figured she was in another another victim. Yeah. You know what I mean? She's too ditzy to be the final yeah, girl. too ditzy to be the final yeah. girl. But the final girl is a very specific horror trope, and you can't, right. you can't make a character like that the final girl. Yeah. There's a lot of people who fight and say that she should have been a final girl with Sydney. This is the chicken, her best yeah, friend, Yeah, her best friend. Right? Oh, okay, person, yeah, all right. The one who gets smashed in the garage. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> care about that chick. No. <laughs> Stu didn't care about that chick either. <laughs> okay, so... Ghostface, it's actually, I always thought that the recorder things that they use over their mouths, the voice changers, I thought that that was a legit thing in the movie, but there's actually a voice actor for Ghostface, and his name is Roger jo Jackson, and he voices Mojo Jojo in the Powerpuff Girls. Oh. <laughs> but um, uh, Wes Craven actually didn't let anybody on set meet him. Because they wanted it to remain, he wanted him to remain faceless, mm -hmm. like he is in the costume. You, know, you don't know who cool. it is, so he never let them meet him in the first movie. And I think he got replaced in the fourth movie, but they did the same thing again and wouldn't let anybody meet that the new voice actor. That so. makes sense though, because it still adds to the effect for the actors and actresses to kind of get into their characters, yeah. to where they really don't know who this person is. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, because if you have. Like, he looks like a kindly older man, you know? And so if you have that image in your head when you're talking to him... Yeah. It's hard to act scared. Yeah, it would lose all its credibility, basically. I can't believe that Ghostface is Mojo Jojo, though. That, yeah, that's kind of throwing me off now. <laughs> um, so, also, the original name for Scream was Scary Movie. And that's where <laughs> Scary Movie got its name from. Mm -hmm. And... In in reading about this, I also found out that Wes Craven did the remake of uh, The House on Haunted Hill, or The Haunting of Hill House. Yeah. That's what it's called? Not the movie, not the new show that's out, but you know the movie that came out in like late 90s, early 2000s? Yeah. He actually did that movie, and um, those are the two main movies that are parodied in Scary Movie. And so they kind of took that name from it also because that's what it was originally supposed to be called. I just now noticed that, though, because even, like, the poster for Scary Movie, it's Scream. It's, like, the Scream's ghost face, like, right dead in the middle of yeah. the whole cast. So that makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Wes Craven's good at that. He's good at parroting stuff. Yeah. Especially horror. Because, I mean, he's, like, he loves the horror franchise, but he also doesn't like it because he... You know, he starred the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, but he only made the first one and then the seventh one. Yeah. And there was that whole gap between them. And he said <laughs> when he came back for the seventh one, he was like, I completely lost track of what was happening. The other ones, they were so stupid and ridiculous. Yeah. And so in the seventh one, he's literally making fun of his own franchise <laughs> by bringing Freddy 
like in real life. That's what he does in that movie is he brings them into the real world finally instead mm -hmm. of being a movie form. And then he just makes fun of his own franchise. He was like, they, they're all useless. He said they don't mean anything, so might as well just make fun of it. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty funny. Man, they I ain't got a lot though. They uh which this isn't really scream related, but some of these scary movies, like they beat these franchises to death with yeah. one, two, three, four, five. You know what yeah. I mean? Like You mean the actual scary movies or horror no, franchises? Oh, horror franchises. Oh, yeah. like, oh, all the Freddy movies and all the Jason movies. Right. God. Now Where the Halloween the new Halloween ones are rough. Ooh. Don't even get me started. Halloween should kills. Should be Halloween kills. It should be Halloween fucking blows. Yeah, right. It's <laughs> one of the worst horror movies to come out recently. It's rough. What did they say? Evil dies tonight. Evil dies tonight. Take yeah, a shot. Evil dies tonight with your fucking toaster in your hand. <laughs> For <Take> sure. <laughs> and she looks fucking batshit crazy. Oh, Does she not? God. They did not do Laurie Strode justice. Yeah, she know, looks like... Storyline. If I saw this bitch when I was walking down the street and she stepped outside and screamed that, I'd be like, nuthouse, let's take her straight but there. But like, the thing I hate about it the most is like, Jamie Lee Curtis is feeding into that shit today. Yes. Oh, yeah. And it yes. is so sad. They didn't do that franchise justice no, at all. It's awful. But I like the Rob Zombie Halloween movies. Ooh, so I, I'm not as big of a fan of the second one, but the first one... Second pretty A1. Hmm. Ooh. Rob Zombie don't miss boy. The second one he was filmed that on second Halloween. That but. second one was filmed on 16 millimeter film. It is one of the most beautiful looking horror films I've ever seen in my life. It looks like a drive in movie, like I straight mean, up. It, what you gotta say, the Scott? The filming may, huh? may be good, but oh, the no, plot but is speak not there. Up. <laughs> speak up. Nah, I just. Man, y'all didn't like Nomad Michael Myers? I would have been perfectly fine with the first one. Just left it at what it was. Yeah, I feel the same way. Man. But this man don't miss. He don't miss. It's <laughs> <laughs> turned into the Rob Zombie episode. <laughs> that is one of the things I like about the Scream movies, though, is that one through four are all made by Wes Craven. Yeah. Like, they, that's one of the few horror franchises that doesn't have any other directors until the new Scream. But all of it, it's very consistent. I will say, though, watching, which everyone's already fried me, I have not seen the fourth Scream, but... Watching one, two, and three, and then watching other horror movie franchises, like to me, Scream's the best. Like they did it, they did a good job transitioning each movie to where it has its own thing, and you don't, it doesn't feel like it's the same movie that you're watching. It doesn't. Yeah, they feel, don't feel like they're beating it to death, even though there's a lot of them. Right, but I mean, it is the same. Obviously, it's Ghostface is back. He's killing people. He's doing this and doing that. But it doesn't feel. Like, oh, all right, who's he going to kill now? Who's he going to, like, there's more to it, you know? And the story develops more and more with Sydney, so. Yeah, I feel like they do a good job of picking out, like, the murderer. Yeah. It's kind of cliche, like, it's the, the boyfriend or it's the secret baby of somebody. The or, mom's know. boyfriend, or the, yeah. wait, no, I said that right? Boyfriend's mom. <laughs> mom's boyfriend. Yeah, but <laughs> at the same time, they almost lead you in a direction of it's so obvious you don't think they're going to go there, so you don't guess it until the end, and it's like, oh, I should have known, you know? Well, and I like that, like, you see the killer through the entire movie. It's not some, like, When they make thing. everybody seem suspect. Right. Like, you haven't seen the fourth one, but, um, what's her name? The blonde cop. Is it Judy? I think it's, it's Officer Hicks. I know that's her last name. Um, I think it is Judy Hicks because, uh, I think that's a throw to Halloween too with his sister being named Judith. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Officer Hicks, 
she shows up in the fourth one, and then you know she's in the fifth one. But in the fourth one, she seems very suspect at moments. Like she has scenes with Sydney where she's like in the house, and Sydney's like, "What are you doing here?" And really, she's just trying to like be a mega cop and get get everything done. But she comes off very suspect. And so they do a good job of making other characters seem suspect, and then it's not them. It's always it's like it's always so a character that's right under your nose. But mm-hmm. it's also cool how they make it like a who done it. Like yeah. it's a slasher film, but also a who done it film at the same time. Yeah. You're trying to figure out what's going on. And I think they're so good consistently is because each movie Wes An- like I was about to say Wes Anderson. Wes Craven always puts <laughs> like a lot of subtextual stuff in his movies. Like the first one is parodying horror films and the second one is like parodying sequels and then the third is parodying hollywood and how much they love franchises and the fourth one is parodying like the internet age like each one has a very distinct style that it's going for so this is probably hard to answer because we know who the killers are now so you know going back and saying oh yeah this is that you're probably like thinking that oh i probably did think that but so when y'all watched Scream for the first time, did y'all have any clue? Did you suspect that it was the boyfriend? Like, just because it's that's one of those people that's like, well, more than likely. You know what I mean? Like, they could be, but... I thought it was him at first, but then it, it makes you second-guess it. And then at first, I thought maybe it was her dad. Yeah. And then I thought maybe... <laughs> this is kind of dumb, but I thought maybe it was Gail at one point. <laughs> I remember thinking that. But then I I realized it was uh, Billy before he shows himself. But it was like at the party that I realized it was Billy, so it was right before the reveal. Right. But it does make you second guess, and I wasn't sure if it was Billy. I I agree. I mean, you know, I'm watching it. I can't tell you if I, who I thought it was. I just, you know, up until it, I was like, oh, okay, I can see that. I did not expect there to be two killers though. Yeah, that is I didn't one thing. Expect I didn't expect that at all. That Stu, out of all people, it was gonna be Stu <laughs> that was helping him. Yeah. So that's how I was. When I first saw it, I thought it was Billy at first, but then they throw you a curveball kind of with the cell phone logs and everything being clear. So then I was like, okay, it's, it's probably not Billy. So then I all when the first time I saw it, I thought it was like Randy or Stu, just because Randy was obsessed with movies and all that. But then by the end, you're like, oh, damn, it's it's two yeah. different people. And Billy, of course, was helping out on the whole time. I felt that way through like one through three. Like you like eventually you would kind of guess it towards the end of the movie. But the fourth one really caught me off guard because I did not guess who that was going to be at the very end. I think like, the fourth one is the best review yeah, out of all of them. I, I hate that we that can't one. say it because you haven't seen Y'all it. Y'all can say it. No, I don't want to ruin it. You got to mm-hmm. watch it. Goodness. The fourth that one is my favorite. That was the one that favorite. surprised me the most because I remember all of us watching that and I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, I remember us watching that when it came out. Like, yeah. we rented it and watched it at home. I think that's the best one, for sure. Well, I gotta watch it. Well, speaking of Stu's character, um, I recently found out that he did not try out for that movie. He was in the building with his girlfriend and his girlfriend was trying out for a different movie. And one of the people that was ever casting that was like helping with the casting, she saw him in the hallway and was like, you would be perfect for this movie. Come try out. And it was, he was like an instant. We got to have this guy. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I yeah. mean, who doesn't love this man? Yeah, for real. Yeah. I mean, right. he kind of makes it a little bit at the end. A hundred percent. And I, I <laughs> he's told the Scott, funniest part. Yeah. I told Scott that part with, um, 
my mom and dad are going to be so mad at me. <laughs> he totally made that up on the fly. Yeah. That is fantastic. He, literally, his character at the end is the best part of the whole movie where he's like, I'm peer pressure. <laughs> Can we give like, a little appreciation for this man? I mean, Matthew Lillard is like fantastic. Hell Very yeah. underrated. Applause oh, yeah. for Matthew Lillard. Always. Always good applause on this He podcast. kills every role he's in. Even yeah, the Scooby-Doo movies. He's <laughs> a killer. He's a perfect shaggy. And we watched SLC Punk and he was great in that oh, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I didn't even expect to like that movie, and it ended up being great. Yeah, that was good I, I read a thing about him the other day, and that's one of his like favorite roles he, he's ever done, one of his most proud roles that he's ever had. I could see that. Yeah. That is a good movie. Yeah. Matthew Lillard. So Scream 2 came out within less than a year of the first one, which I thought was insane. Yes, yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. It's really short between the time frames. You yeah, know. I mean, to have a go th- write a whole script and film a whole movie and have it premiere within a year of the last premiere day is wild. Well, that means they would have gotten like right on that, like right yeah. after. Well, and what's also surprising is how, again, like I said, I felt like these movies were so good that followed up behind each other that like, and that short, you know, cause most stuff, once something catches, they try and make a sequel and then they make another one. Then they make another, and they tend to be just garbage mm-hmm. as they keep going on and they're rushed. Because that's how any other franchise gets, and you just get burnt out on it. But no, I really enjoyed the second one. Well, I think that's kind of like a testament to how like good Wes Craven is at this stuff. Like yeah. he's just pumping these big out, right? And yeah. he's just like, here you go, love y'all, bye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he also had something to say, and I feel like a lot of movies don't have something to say anymore. They're just making them just for money, and that's right. the problem. Yeah, and if you have something to say, then you can get quality stuff out fast enough. You, yeah, your stuff has a point, so it's not going to be garbage. Yeah, and you're not just making up a random story overnight. It's like, ah, oh, that'll work. Exactly. And if the actors know what you're trying to say and they get the subtext and everything, they they can just elevate it even more than it already is. Right. Or like we were talking about, you're not making the same movie, and they these don't feel like the same movie. You know, because like I said, the plot. It's all connected through all the movies. It just doesn't feel like you're watching the same thing over and over. Yeah. The writer, um, he actually approached several people before Wes Craven, but he said they didn't get it. They thought that it was supposed to be like pure satire, like the way Scary Movie is. Yeah. And he, he said that Wes Craven was the only person that got it and like could pull his vision off. That's Yeah, I could see that. Because yeah. Wes Craven has been doing that his whole career, where yeah. he's just been very satirical but also at the same time kind of right on the nose just enough mm-hmm. uh scream 2 also made one third of its total gross in its opening weekend oh, oh damn <laughs> that is a great opening weekend yeah <laughs> so i really like that each of these movies has like those the females that pop up at the beginning and they're usually stars in some way like they have drew barrymore and then Sometimes it's not even in the beginning, but like uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar showing up in the second one. You know, I feel like most of the time when they pick these girls, a lot of times they were connected to other like horror things at the time. Like she was doing Buffy, the vampire slayer, you know? Yeah. And then in the later movies, um, like in the fourth one, you know, it's the movie within a movie within a movie at the beginning. And they have Lucy Hale and then Anna Paquin. And Lucy Hale was doing Pretty Little Liars at the time. Anna Paquin was doing True Blood. It was like they were pulling from the different like thrillers and horror movies and putting these girls in these little like small small roles, you know. And I think that's kind of cool because 
Scream Queens and like Final Girls and everything, that's like such a big thing. And so when they pull other women from other horror stuff, I, I kind of like that too. Yeah. Which Scream 4 also has my favorite opening out of all of them. How you keep, at first you think it's going to be like a Scream opening and then it's the two chicks watching a Stab movie opening because the Stab movies are the fictional movies that are within the Scream universe. Right. And then it turns out it's another Stab movie and, and within another Stab movie and it just keeps going. Right. So you're in the, in the Scream movie that's within a movie while they're watching the movie that's within a movie. Yeah. So it's, it's still even making fun of itself there. Well, that's These movies are extremely, extremely self-aware. Oh, like yeah. you kind of almost expect them just to look you at like the camera <laughs> like at some point. Office. Yeah, <laughs> like an office moment. Just wink. Yeah. Well, that's why I thought they did such a well job with the opening to the second movie. Like they're at the movie theater watching the stab, yeah. and all this goes on, and you're just like, "What the hell?" Like. <laughs> well, and then that one. I don't know that Heather Graham's really been in any horror, but they still picked a big star. You've got right. Heather Graham, and then Jada Pinkett Smith is in the beginning, too. Yeah. And she kind of takes on the Drew Barrymore role where she gets murdered. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's yeah. one of like my favorite openings of a movie, though, is like Jada Pinkett Smith's like murder at the beginning, and you're just like, because oh, it's so long and dramatic, and everybody's just watching the movie, and they're just like, this is normal. She's just playing. Right. Right, because it's so chaotic, and everybody's dressed up in the same costume. Everybody's mm -hmm. got the fake knives stabbing each other. They think she's just playing. Yeah. <laughs> she's dead. Nope. <laughs> That reminds me of the first one with the principal where he's in the room and you got the kids that were running down the hallway in the mask and he yes. brings them to the office and he's like, you desensitized little shits. <laughs> he's like, I ought to stab you and hang you out to dry. Yeah. Like, and he gets kind of suspenseful and dark. Like, you're, oh shit, is he the, is is this he the killer? Yes. He was one of the ones that I suspected at the very beginning. You're like, it's him. And then it's he gets whacked. <laughs> yeah, yeah the they're and what? Whacked. When they all leave the house, they're like, "Oh yeah, the principal's hanging by the goalposts," and they all leave the house screaming. Um, in Scream Three, there's actually a little throw to him. There's a little poster in the background of one of the movie sets that has him on it. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. I just love how much they poke at each other too. Like the Scream movies are all self-aware of one another. Nothing that's awesome. Yeah, another instance of that that I. I caught today in the fourth one when Officer Hicks comes in, she keeps giving Dewey these lemon bars. And it's like a source of tension between her and Gail Weathers because she, you know, they're fighting the whole time. Well, so anyways, in the new one, when she has her son, you know, it's super suspenseful where she thinks that the killer's in the house with her son. Yeah. And she's driving back and her son's completely fine at first. And he's, he gets open in the fridge and you think when he shuts it, Ghostface is going to be there and he's not. Well, on the fridge, he reads it out loud. I left you lemon bars in the fridge. <laughs> and it was a throwback to that movie, but I hadn't seen it in so long. I forgot about it. Yeah. So they went super meta with the new one. Yeah. Just because yeah. Wes Craven died and it was the first one made without him. And they had the whole party for Wes party in the movie for the character named Wes. But it was also for Wes Anderson. And right. they put that at the end of the movie, too. Yeah. Wes who? Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not catching it either. I didn't catch it. Wes Anderson. I can say Wes Craven. Wes Craven. Yeah. It's for a big party. Really love Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah. <laughs> so for Scream 3, it came out in 2000. So we had a little bit of a break. There was a couple years. But I'm very upset because this movie was supposed to be where Stu, Matthew Lillard's character, 
comes back and he didn't actually die the first night and he was supposed to come back and have be the star of the show. But Columbine happened and they decided that they didn't want to do a story where a bunch of kids die in a high school setting. It was like too soon and they didn't want to be insensitive. So the whole plot got scrapped. Matthew Lillard was not asked back to the movie and the original writer was not back for the movie. Oh. And hmm. that's when the the Weinsteins like Harvey and the other one, I can't remember his name, they kind of like take over and like are helping. And they hire a lady named Erin Kruger. Not intentional with Freddy Krueger there. <laughs> um, but the original writer, Kevin Williamson, he he kind of did like an outline because he was working on a bunch of stuff at that time. And so he did like an outline for them to follow, but let the the Aaron chick like take over and like actually write the script. And she kind of butchered it. And Wes Craven had to, like, make rewrites himself because he said the characters didn't even feel the same. And I think that that's why Scream 3 is kind of, like, the worst one out of the trio. It's probably because of the writing. Yeah. I could see that. I can agree with that. But I I thought... I don't know. I think the second one is the worst out of the first three just because the second one is kind of to the point where it's trying to poke so much at the useless sequel that it kind of feels like it becomes the useless sequel at the same time. But I know that was the point. But I like three because it has the producer interventions and all that with the Weinsteins, which everyone knows about them at this point. But Wes Craven used that to his advantage where he was basically like making fun of them the whole time and making fun of Hollywood the whole time with the secret sex parties and then the secret rooms and the mirrors and how everyone was like having sex with each other. And if you want to get this role, you got to sleep with that producer. Like they bring that up so many times in that movie. They were basically just poking fun at Hollywood the entire time. And it's just funny that that just kind of went under everyone's radar. And then the Weinstein thing actually happened and everyone, a lot of people on Letterboxd and stuff started reevaluating Scream 3 after Weinstein stuff came out. And it was like, <laughs> it's like we should have saw it right. yeah it's like they've been they've been hinting at this forever like stanley kubrick made eyes wide shut in 1999 like come on this right. stuff has all been out in the open and no one's ever noticed it somehow yeah and i guess i shouldn't say that it's like the worst of them it's just the one that doesn't feel it doesn't feel the same and i that's probably why they they had like you know it's a whole bunch of new characters it's just like the main three i think are the same in this one uh, Gail, Dewey, and Sydney, and so Cotton's in it too, isn't he? Cotton's yeah. in the third yeah, one. Yeah, and, and I guess that's the biggest point that you see Cotton. But even he, he feels different. Like his character feels different than when you see him in the second one. Yeah, because he's much more about the movies in yeah. the third one, which kind of makes sense. But yeah, I think the difference could be seen is just because of the change in writers. Yeah. But other than that, I think that's why it's like so much pushing at Hollywood because it's Craven trying to salvage the entire movie from producers that were basically trying to take it from him trying to save it yeah i think he was essentially just trying to save it because he didn't have his guy with him the original writer so he's basically all up to him and then go go ahead ahead. no mine mine's irrelevant to what well then you have uh courtney cox's bangs kind of ruined the movie too (laughs) yeah they are rough in that movie every scene not even had them almost to the scale it's kind of it was kind of a style it wasn't. It wasn't like a super popular style, but there were other people that did it. But it was not the move for her, no man, at all. It looks so weird. Yeah. Like it literally looked like a messed up hack job, like unintentionally. Yeah, you know she. Um, 
they did not want her for that role, but she wanted a role where she played like a bitchy, like way different character than how she played Monica on Friends. She wanted that change. She wanted something different and they did not want to give it to her because all they were seeing was Monica from Friends and she bullied them enough to get that part. Like she forced them to give her that part and she, I think she pulled it off. I mean, yeah. I don't think I could see anybody else doing it now. No, not at all. It fits her. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say that <laughs> I don't know if this was intentional, but I noticed watching like one, two, and three. And I guess at the end of three, I don't know if really anyone survives with the original three, you know, with Sydney, Dewey, and uh, Gail. But like, I noticed like Randy survives the first one. Randy dies in the second one. Cotton survives the second one and then dies immediately in the third one. And I'm just like, man, they're just like taking out. Like, if you're not a part of that three, you are not safe for the next movie. Yeah. And I, I really did hate that they killed Randy just because Randy was kind of one of my favorite characters in the first one. Yeah, was he like, was one of those deaths that you were really like, oh, they didn't have to do that. And they just butchered this <laughs> man. I'm like, out of all the deaths in that movie, they just butchered him. He did have a brutal one, but yeah. I think they regretted killing him because they brought him back for that video tape where he talks about, like, if it's still going on, this is what these are the rules and this is what you need to do for right. the trilogy. And yeah. it's like they regretted killing him off and they're like, damn, I wish we still had Randy. It's like, what if he left a videotape right. for them to all to watch? That was really good. I did like that a lot. Yeah. You can tell. But I think they also did that for like shock value because no one was expecting Randy to get killed. So then when you actually see it, you're like, damn, they got my boy Randy. Well, and like, which, I mean, Cotton was no Randy, but like even Cotton in the third one, like I didn't really expect Cotton to die like right at the beginning of the movie. They were just like, well, let's go ahead and take him out. So he's irrelevant in the third movie. Yeah. <laughs> but that was actually supposed to be different. Like, it's either the third or the fourth one, but either way, the beginning was supposed to be different, and it was supposed to be Sydney and a friend sitting down to watch a movie, <laughs> and Ghostface calls, and it may be the fourth one, because it makes more sense there, but it could be the third one. Um, Ghostface calls and is like, um, I'm watching, you know, you know, through the closet and everything, and he jumps out, and Sydney shoots him and kills him, and come to find out it was just a fan playing a prank on her, and she kills oh, one damn. of her fans, and they ended up never recording that scene. I bet that was in the fourth one, because yeah. the fourth one has that whole closet scene, too, which is yeah. one of the best scream kills, where he's like, I didn't say it was your closet, and then he jumps out of the closet across the street, and the other girls, oh, you haven't seen it, damn. Yeah. I feel like I've seen parts of this movie, because isn't it like where he's like watching one of the other, another person like her friend or something in a different house you you i feel like you have seen it. it's emma roberts and hayden penitier and i feel like he walked in on the end of it that night that we were i think i did together. because i think i actually know who the killer is if, who do you think it is i don't want to say we're not going to tell you if you're right or wrong i just i'm curious and emma roberts yeah that's what i thought and yeah. the mcculkin brother yeah i don't remember those you know Mc he went to, he was going to school with her Oh. You know McCulkin, the guy from Home Alone? It's his younger oh, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. His younger brother is the other killer with Emma Roberts. Okay. I just don't remember all the characters, but that's what I thought. I thought it was Emma Roberts, which is weird. Okay, then we can we can yeah. talk about it moving forward. Yeah. He knows what's up. Yeah. But there's but you're right, there's a scene where he's watching 
two different houses and he's getting this one girl to do everything that he says, but then she messes up near the end. That's and, right. And, and then he he's like, oh, yeah, he's, friend. he's like, right. I didn't say it was your closet and then jumps out across the street in the other closet and kills the girl and they can't get across the street fast enough to save her. I gotcha. And he kills the cops too. And that's also one of the most brutal ones where he stabs the cop through the forehead mm-hmm. and then he watches him bleed out on the ground and it's like, damn, <laughs> Ghostface is a savage in right. four. Yeah, they, they tried to get them to tone it back on certain things too. After it, there was Columbine as the main one that people reference in when they they talking about these movies, but there were other things that were going on in the world at the time where they were um there was Columbine and like other like massacres and stuff like that, like horrible things that were happening. And so the producers and and not only that, but like the people over like the rating, like t- movie rating system and all that, they were trying to get them. At, at one point, they didn't even want them to have blood in any of the scenes. What? They And I think in the third one, you don't even see a single stab wound. It's either the third or the fourth one. You you don't see a single actual stab wound because they were trying to cut it back. I don't know. I mean, you could... That seems pointless for me to cut something back on a horror movie. Like... Yeah. Right. They were trying Especially to say that, that it was far insensitive. into the franchise. It was so bad. Yeah. It was so bad. And... People were weighing on Wes Craven so much that he almost left the horror genre. Oh no! Like he was just fed up. I mean, I'm not trying I can't to say blame this. Him. Yeah, yeah I'm not trying it. to say this like in a heartless way, but horrible things happen every day. You know what I mean? Like, right? It you can't let one or two things in the world just put a halt on what's already happening. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I mean, to a level like you know a movie is fake. Right. That's the unfortunate part. Movies always get blamed. Like. People have always talked about this because when Scorsese made Taxi Driver, they tried to blame him for a lot of shootings that happened because of the shooting at the end of Taxi Driver and all that. If it's not movies, it's video games. Yeah. and oh, Well, now it's video games. People jump on that a lot more than movies cool. now. But it used to be movies. People, if any movie came out that was any way controversial whatsoever, they would blame any incident that happened on the movie and the filmmaker. And it's like, movies are like, those are not to blame. <laughs> it's all fake. It's just a story. Yeah, people, that's all it is. If people are gonna do something wild, they're gonna just, they're gonna do something wild, no yeah. matter what. If there's a movie about it or not. Yeah. Um, you know the scene with Carrie Fisher in it in the third one. Yes. <laughs> they originally wanted Jamie Lee Curtis to play that part, and she refused. Well, Carrie she, Fisher works better. Yeah, I can see why she wouldn't do that. It's kind of like, I mean, everybody sees her as the girl from Halloween. So why would you do that? It's kind of like dipping your toes on something where you don't belong. Because that's the point of screen. I know it is, but it's just kind of like... Well, that's like... Uh, I feel like it wouldn't feel the same. Like, if you saw Jamie Lee Curtis in the screen movie, you'd kind of be like, eh, this is a little more cheesy than I wanted. She missed out because she made Halloween Kills but wouldn't be in a screen movie. That's all right. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I mean, I agree with that to an extent, but... We're just know. we're just gonna turn this into the segment of how much we hate the last Halloween movie. <laughs> Carrie Fisher was perfect for that part though, because she was so nonchalant about it. Yeah. Yeah, I liked her way better anyways. Well, that's what I was saying. I don't feel like it would have been correct if it was Jamie Lee Curtis. I feel that. Was it in Scream Four came out in two thousand eleven? Um which it doesn't feel like I, it was that long ago when I watched that movie because I was in like ninth grade when it came out, I think. And <laughs> I graduated eight, over eight years ago. So it's actually been like 11 years since then, <laughs> which is crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah. But um, 
So in this one, they didn't even ask Kevin Williamson to come back as the writer. He didn't even get anything. So they brought back uh, Aaron Kruger. Oh my gosh. And Wes Craven said that he would not return unless the script was A1. <laughs> this man was throwing because some shade at this woman. He was upset after movie three. I mean, yeah, because there was a big gap between three and four. Yeah. There was there was an eleven year gap between them. Oh my goodness. Which there's an eleven year gap between four and five. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Come I, I can I can understand that why he would especially Wait. if he dealt with the Weinsteins and then Kruger messing up the script and having him do rewrites, he was probably like, Come on now. Yeah. One, well, you know, like you were saying that all that stuff that was happening around three coming out. Wasn't that the one you were talking about? Was it three or four? It was three. And so maybe it was just time to kind of get away from it for a little bit and let everything kind of calm back down so people don't act any type of way or this or that. Well, it probably didn't get as good of a ratings because, like, you know, number one was great. Number two came out, like, less than a year later. And it, like I said, it it's grossing. A third of its gross, like, profit came in the first weekend that it was out. And then you have three. And if it didn't do as well, then why would you make another one? Right. And that happens every franchise. After the third make, sometimes after the second one, it flops. But especially third and fourth one, that's when people started. They're like, okay, let's let's do something else. So if the third one didn't do as well, he probably was like, ah, fuck this. Yeah. It's 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 had its day. It's over with. Yeah. Makes sense. Well, and then I think the fourth one too, like by the time they did it, it was like, it had been long enough and it was like the perfect like reboot into the franchise, you know, and like that should have been it. But then, you know, 11 more years later, we get the recall. The recall. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Commentary on the recall. Oh. But see, the, that's my issue. I feel like I could put Scream 5 in the same category as Scream 2 where it's making fun of recall so much that it kind of just becomes a senseless recall. Yeah. Just like the sequel it just becomes a sequel. I told Katie... Which, if we're not done with four, we can keep no, going with four. I told Katie that five, right, with it being a requel, it was like, I'd much rather just watch the first one yeah. instead of watching. Honestly, I'd, I'm not saying I... Okay, I didn't like five because I hated that he killed Dewey. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> I did not like that Dewey died. I'd much rather... It felt like, wrong. It did. Like, when, when Randy died, I was upset about it, but, like, it was... Like, it fit. Right. Dewey dying did not fit. It did not make sense. I did not like it. Especially the people that killed him. I'm the like, the way he went out was dumb too. Like Dewey wouldn't have died like that. No. It, it was garbage. I could see that. And it really upset me. And that has a lot to do with <laughs> why I don't like the fifth one. But I don't know. I mean, like I said, it being a requel, it was just kind of one of those things. It was like, okay, I watched it. I don't know if I need to watch it again. Yeah. Because I'd much rather just watch the first one. I mean. I'm kind of in the same boat as you. It was fun. The first time I saw it, I was like, it was fun. But, you know, with every rewatch I have with it, I'm just like, you know, there really is no point in Scream right. 5. At least with like Scream 1, 2, and 3, and 4, all of those I can see a point, And each one has a very individual kind of personality with it. Yeah. 5 doesn't really have a very its own personality. It's kind of just... The, the only thing interesting cool. about 5 to me was some of the callbacks. Like, the stuff that you saw from the previous screen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I thought that those were, like, the coolest part about it. What'd y'all think about them bringing Billy back? 
Like that I, whole story. I like that. That's a part of like one of those things to me that was like, I liked seeing that again just because it reminded me of the first one. I love the first one. So, yeah. Same thing with like bringing in Randy's family. Like, it's cool. It's like, okay, this is his Uncle Randy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought that that was cool. And the girl who plays his niece kind of pulls off his like, she had way more attitude than him, but it was like, she was still that knowing character that was like, She's the cinephile. She, she right. did her homework, yeah. and I like that. Like, because you kind of felt like, all right, this is that Randy-esque character. You know what right. I mean? It's his niece, and I'm glad that they brought back the same actress that was his sister as well. I thought that was kind of cool. Was she in the first one? No, she was in the second one, I thought. Didn't she visit him at college? She wasn't in the first one, but I think, I don't know if you see her in the second one either. She's in the original. She she's be. in one of those movies. She's not in the first one. I know that. No, yeah, but I think she's in the second one after he gets murdered because she like comes to visit. Yeah, she might be actually. And but it's the same actress. Yeah, which I mean, I I think that is cool. All, all the callback stuff is cool, but it's it's you know it's when there's things that I talked about before. She was in Scream Three. Three. Yeah. Okay, I knew she came back in one of them to oh, speak so to uh, Sydney. Yeah, she was a minor character introduced in Scream Three. Um. Then she was in Scream 5, and it's rumored to be in 6. Oh, okay. But uh, I liked her as his brother, or like as the sister. They just seemed like they would be real life brother and sister. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it seems realistic. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, again, with 5, those are just kind of my favorite things. But, I mean, I don't know. I really wasn't that big of a fan of it just because I feel like it was just like one of those, like, nostalgia movies like that's really what it felt like because that's the big thing now everybody's just everyone selling well, nostalgia. they're yes. trying to make fun of that also which is why they did so many throwbacks god yeah it just felt like one after another then by the yeah. end of it you're just like come on now yeah they did it too much to the point where you were tired of it yeah it wasn't even making fun of it anymore no. you were just tired of i it am too. tired side note i am tired of the nostalgia movement right now it's kind of just they Butchered it with yeah. Jurassic Park. <laughs> Again, this is a side note, but it was it was horrible. Yeah. I'm just so tired of it. Yeah, I mean, I feel the same way. This is something I've talked about I don't know how many times. I'm, I've been like a broken record on this, but the whole nostalgia bait thing, it's got to die. It's got to oh, go God, somewhere, please. and I'm tired of it. And even though the whole point in Scream is to make fun of whatever's happening in film culture at the time, so it making fun of the requels, I get but at the same time, it does the same thing where it's like it does it so much that it kind of feels like it's becoming the very thing it's making fun of. Right. And it doesn't feel sati it doesn't feel satir satirized, I guess. Satirized. It doesn't feel satirized as satirical. well as it could be. Or it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't feel satirical. But that's its thing. Like to me, the Scream movies are that. So it makes sense for. The screen movies to do that. Yeah, but now they're But when everyone do is yeah. doing it, and it's like, come on, does anybody have original thought anymore? Anybody out there, please, somebody come out with original thoughts. That's how I feel. I wish they'd just do something different with it. I mean, but that's also like the other thing, too, is like, what else can you do now? Well, they made fun <sighs> of that. He's a killer character. They yeah. made fun of that, too, in Scream 5, because they were talking about how they're bringing up the um, the Star Wars fan yeah. base with Ryan Johnson and how Ryan Johnson actually tried to do something different with the last Jedi. And then everyone shat on him for it. Cause he didn't do the, he didn't do the nostalgia bait thing. And then right. they were making fun of that with like scream eight. I think it was in the actual 
Scream 5 universe. They were talking about Stab 8. Mm -hmm. And they're like, it's just called Stab? Doesn't even have a number? And he's got a flamethrower now? It's not even the real Scream anymore. (laughs) You know, it's stuff like that where it's like, Ah, whatever. It's so meta contextual, but at the same time, it's like where where do we draw the line at like making too much commentary to the point where it's just kind of beating a dead horse? <laughs> Katie's got uh, a thing about the flamethrower guy. Yeah. So speaking of the flamethrower, um, I'm going to talk about Matthew Lillard's cameos in the other screen movies because I was unaware that he was in any of them, <laughs> and he's in a bunch of them. So in in Scream, the 2022 one. Um, he is the voice of the flamethrower ghost face when they're watching the YouTube video of like the trailer. Yeah. Matthew Lillard did the voiceover for that. That's great. All of his cameos are uncredited. Um, in Scream 4, he plays somebody, he's in like the background of the Stabathon that they go to. Okay. You just like see him again, uncredited. It's just like little small things. And then he was not in Scream 3 because that's where he was supposed to be the main character when they cut him. He did not get a cameo for that one. Oh. Um, but in Scream 2, you see him in the background of, um, you know, they're doing the, like, fraternity party. Mm-hmm. You see him in the background. And I think I wouldn't have known it unless I looked because I looked it up and got a time code. And where is it? Hey, when you apparently when you screenshot in Paramount Plus, you screenshots a blank page. Yeah, because that you could be doing piracy anyway you wouldn't <laughs> catch i was going to show you all the picture you wouldn't have caught it if it wasn't like you weren't looking for it because his hair's bleached uh, and i think it's during the time he's doing slc punk in the 90s mm-hmm. when he had his hair all different colors but you could tell by his jawline he's like behind the characters that are talking talking to another group of people and you can see him that would make sense yeah that's pretty cool though and then He's been asked if he's going to be in Scream 6 in a cameo, and he's, in an interview, he said that he's not, they're in, you know, the post-production stuff, and he's not, he said, unless I'm lying, and I actually am. And so, because, you know, he's always trying to be funny, so I'm not sure if he'll get a cameo or not, because he's not saying, but it would be kind of cool if he was. Yeah, that would be cool. Who knows, maybe they'll write the whole plot around him and try and salvage the original three plot where he just comes back and he's like i've been alive this whole time (laughs) it's me i think at this point they can't pull it off because like it was cool to see billy but he was looking a little old right they fucking cgi'd the shit out of him which also (laughs) ruins the whole movie which i feel like also was intentional because you know they disney's been doing that so much now where you cgi people yeah so I don't know if they intentionally CGI'd him to make fun of that or if they unintentionally did it, which is one of those things I'm on the fence about because it looks terrible either way. Yeah. And so I don't know if it's like it's like too late to do that with that character. Like with the time gap, you know, like the third movie would have been the perfect time to do it. But now I don't know because they've also got this whole other they've already got the storyline with Billy's like child, you know, all the stuff with that. And so I don't know if that would be overkill at the same time. But what if they... <laughs> well, you know Billy Loomis's last name, Loomis? Mm-hmm. It's making fun of the, the doctor from Halloween, yeah. Loomis. I wonder if they could just make something kind of where they make fun of the newest Star Wars movie. 
Because you know how they just retconned all of The Last Jedi and just bring back Palpatine? Yes. What if they just retconned all of the other Scream <laughs> stuff and then they just bring back Stu <laughs> and he's bad. old and they're just like, look, Stu was behind it the whole time. <laughs> yeah, make it to where he's the master mastermind. Yeah, exactly. It it's like, like he explains it all just like the director does in Scream 3 where he's like, well, actually, I hired this person and this person to do this. What if you just at the end of the Scream 6, it's Stu going like, well, I actually hired the director. <laughs> And I hired yes. Billy, and I hired. <laughs> well, see, that would be that would be perfect. That would be a scream thing. That like, would be that fucking would make hilarious. It to where it's like, well, shit. After you see the big reveal, you're like, what the hell? But you can't really even be mad about it. That would be so damn funny. Yeah. They just brought him back out of nowhere, just like Palpatine and the Rise of Skywalker, where it's just yeah. like, ah, he survived. Who knows? <laughs> that would be great. So. The sixth movie, I haven't done any research or read anything about it. What is it? So I know that it's a continuation of number five. Jenna Ortega's coming back, and that's the younger sister who gets stabbed okay. at the beginning. Yeah. Um, a bunch of the, I think her older sister, a bunch of those characters are going to be there. Samara uh, Weaving is in it now. Who? Samara Weaving. She's in it now. Let me, I'm going to look her up. She was, the guys who made Scream 5, they made a horror movie called Ready or Not, which is really good. And it's about like oh, a. I know what you'll know her from. The babysitter, also. Sorry, uh, she was the like the dumb girlfriend of the dad and three billboards. Yeah, yeah, her. that was Samara Weaving. I vaguely remember that. I don't really recognize her, but all right, she's gonna be in it. You haven't seen Ready or Not or The Babysitter or any of those. Well, the people who made Ready or Not made Scream Five, and they're making Scream Six, and apparently they wanted Samara Weaving to be the lead in Scream 5, but she was filming some, she was filming some movie. Mm -hmm. I think it was the sequel to Babysitter or something when they were making Scream 5, so they actually got that other chick who's the lead in Scream 5, and then they said, we gotta bring Samara in on 6 because she was meant to be the lead for yeah. 5, so. Well, um, Gail Weathers, is, Courtney Cox is coming back as Gail Weathers, but, you know, Nev, is it Nev or Neve? Nev Neff Campbell? Uh, it it it, I mean, tomato, tomato. I get in confused a, because is it the guy who does the catfish show on MTV? He pronounces his name one way, and then Nev Campbell pronounces hers the other way, and I get them confused. Regardless, Regardless Sydney Prescott, the actress who plays her, is not returning. And then Dewey's dead. I know. It seems Sydney's not returning. Nope. No. But she didn't die. There was a falling There's out. There's a falling out over her contract. They wouldn't yeah. care what she wanted. She they wouldn't pay the main character, the final girl for the whole franchise, enough money, and so she's not coming back. Yeah, because I don't. Yeah, even if you look at the cast right now, she's not even in it. Are you? For no, real? it's been a big blow up, and Jamie oh, Kennedy shit. and Matthew Lillard have spoken out in support of her. Because I don't even think she was gonna make as much as some of the other. I don't think she was gonna make as yeah. She our wasn't. actresses yeah. and actors like on the set, like I'm like, if anyone's gonna get paid the most, it should probably be right. so the face of the franchise. So Courtney Cox is the only one returning. Yes. yes. This is why I hate that why they killed Dewey you, off. Okay, why also, wouldn't you pay Sydney a lot? Because she was she's literally I don't know. Yeah, what is the story on that even gonna be? I, I don't know. <laughs> but they're also bringing in Hayden Penetier's character, Kirby. Yeah. She's coming back from four. <laughs> I do not have high hopes for this movie. I feel like they're about to fuck it up yeah. and they're gonna piss me off. Well, five already kind of felt like a downward oh, yeah. trajectory. Yeah. yeah, and I thought that they were going to end it there, but then when they announced six, I already didn't have high hopes. And how game. fast they're spitting six out? Yeah. Like, it's yeah, going to be did. coming out in March of 23, 
which the new one came out in January of 22. So they've <laughs> done know. it in almost a year, just like before. Which right. is so funny that they dropped the the newest one in January because you know January is meant to be like graveyard shift for movies. Like if a movie comes out in January, it usually means either the studios have no faith in it, it did terrible with test audiences, or it screened horribly. Right. So it's weird that they drop Scream off in January because that usually is supposed to be a death sentence for any movie. Like no ticket sales happen then. Yeah. Which I again I don't know with Scream you don't know if they did that intentionally to make fun of that or if they did the it unintentionally. Yeah. You know, there was really nothing coming out, and they were like, "Well, maybe if we throw Scream out, you know, it'll give more people hope in the box offices." Because there, for a while, there was nothing I felt like worth well, going to the box office for, which I know because of COVID. Yeah, and things COVID like happened, that. and so they were they were releasing a lot of things streaming wise, right? Instead, but I mean, the movie theater experience isn't even the same, and that's off topic, kind of. But it is not the same at all to go to the movies. No, like. It's been since we were in high school that I've been to a movie theater and it's been packed out, like opening night kind of thing, you know. Well, and premieres. Yeah, premieres, like, premieres are, are, are thing. not like, even. People would dress up and right. act crazy. Mm-hmm. And it's just not the same as it was. Yeah, I was trying to remember the last time we went to a pet. Oh, the Batman. Batman. Yeah, the Batman. We went to the people opening. People actually screen. dressed up for that. Did they? Yeah, they were handing out comics. It was like a big to-do. That was like the first time well, like, we went since to we were the, kids. We went to the early screener of that. Yeah. So and they did why. like a whole thing for it where it did a countdown and you got to see like the Riddler. They had they did like a whole like Riddler thing in the beginning. Yeah. That's like the first time I've been to the movie since we were like kids that it actually felt like a big deal. And we were packed in there. There was not another seat available. Oh, that's good. Maybe like, you know, the whole COVID thing didn't kill the movie theaters completely because that's what it felt like there for a while. Well, I wouldn't say that it was the COVID thing. It just... They had to put all these movies that they were already making, they had to get them out on streaming platforms to even make money off of them because right. theaters were closed. Yeah. And so I would say more it's like streaming that's killing it. Yeah, that is true. Streaming because is really even killing. after COVID ended and theaters opened up, they were they're still pushing the streaming thing. And you know, you can get it. It's coming out on HBO Max. You don't have to go buy the DVD. So I'm glad that like some movies that are coming out are putting up a fight against the streaming services because it's like a lot of them are like only in theaters. You can only see this in theaters if you still go to the theater and watch it. I know eventually it's going to come out on the streaming platforms, but at least it's not like releasing in theaters and streaming on so-and-so on this day to where like you can pay $40 at your house to watch this movie or this or that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Bullet Train did that because when Bullet Train came out, the even the trailers and stuff said only in theaters. Right. And then the only unfortunate part is, is the only movies that are getting packed now are like big IP projects like Top Gun and like Batman and stuff like that. There's still other movies that are coming out that no one will go see. Like the Northman flopped like hell. Yeah. Even though it shouldn't have flopped. But there's just so many stuff like that. Well, and I feel like, but that's also a problem with people now in the whole nostalgia trip. You know, the Northman's something different. So it's like, well, I I recognize Top Gun. You know, all these people are going to go see that movie because it's like, oh, look, it's another Top Gun movie. I want to go see this or, you know, the Batman, which I mean, the Batman's totally different, but it's still Batman. It's still nostalgia because everyone's like, I know what Batman is. Right. No, I feel like I feel like the new Batman, though, brought like a resurgence back to the movie game. Oh, I agree. Because it was so good and they were so, so much hype around it. 
Because there, there was a lot of people who were like, mm, I Ooh. don't know. Because it's like, how do you talk Christian Bale's Batman after that ends? You know, so mm. people are leery about the next thing that's going to come <laughs> out. But I think it, it really outdid itself. Well, you had that whole gray period with DC that was like rough until what Snyder's cut of Justice League came out and then the Batman came out. And it's like, all right, maybe they can save it. Uh, well, DC is back in a shit show because they're about to cancel the Flash, oh, and well. they already canceled the Batgirl movie. They completely shelved the Batgirl movie, and they're writing it off as a tax write-off. They're never releasing it. <laughs> oh my god! And they just spent two hundred mil on it, and then they're about they're thinking about shelving the Flash movie because they're they brought back um, they're bringing back Michael Keaton's Batman, and the whole new Flash movie was going to be basically resetting the DC universe to get rid of Zack Snyder's universe. Because Warner Bros. is tired of Zack Snyder, essentially. So they're <laughs> well, trying to bring... good content? Well, it's because they got some, such a big fight with him over yeah. Justice League, and then he ended up winning and having his movie released on HBO. So now they're trying to retcon all of his stuff, and they're basically bringing back Michael Keaton's Batman, and he's going to be the lead Batman now. And then the Flash movie was just going to be Flashpoint live action, essentially. And they're also going to cancel out the new cyborg character, delete him basically. See, I hate that. And then, but now they don't know if they're releasing the Flash movie either. Yeah. So it's all over the place. Warner Bros. just can't make up their mind when it comes to DC. Yeah, I don't know, man. And it sucks because that's, again, this is way on top of it. <laughs> they, DC has always been one of my favorite things, but they kind of ruined it. Good. Did you guys ever watch the Scream TV show? No, I no. didn't. So it came out on MTV. Me and Scott have watched it through twice. It, we like it. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a teeny boppy. You know, it's not like A1 television or anything, but they give Ghostface, like, it It doesn't look like Ghostface anymore. Um, but he has, like, a whole backstory in it. And the girl who's the main character, her mom, is, like, had a thing with the guy who's, Ghostface in high school and his name's Brandon James and he had like he was born with some kind of disease that messed up his face and so they make a mask of of his face and it's like it's scary it's got like a big open mouth that's like blacked out and it's got like straps that come around it and stuff like that but anyway they give him a whole backstory about him being picked on as a kid and like this other stuff but they turn it into like over the show, you're trying to uncover things about Brandon James. Like, he might be the main character's dad. And there's, like, two or three seasons. But in the seasons, you know, it's, like, the boyfriend's behind it or this person's behind right. it, you know? It's and still so it's, the... It, but it doesn't have any of the satire to it. Oh, okay. Uh, other than the fact that it's just cold scream and it's the guy in the mask. It's purely supposed to be, like, scary. But one of the best characters that's in it is the video game guy he's like he's like the randy character and he's constantly talking about horror movies and like the tropes in horror movies and stuff like that and that's like the only piece and he's like the best part of the whole show <laughs> i mean it's good i mean it's good for what it is i mean you're either gonna like it or i hate it so it was an mtv show wasn't it yeah. yeah and i think there was two seasons and then the third season was weird this weird like one-off where after season two they all go on a trip together and it's like a shortened season. It's like a season 2.5 and there's like five or something episodes and they're on an island and somebody's trying to kill them. 
Yeah, but and it's completely unrelated she... to Brandon James, completely unrelated to the screen. <laughs> yeah. And it was total garbage. It was total garbage. And I was like, and then they dropped the show completely. I'm like, that's why. Well, it was irrelevant. That yeah, was the completely thing irrelevant. about it. I'm like, you just have a serial killer stalking you everywhere you go. Right. Okay. Panda said, uh, uh, uh. See, I remember when that came out and they were kind of marketing it like fucking like a TV show, like Team Wolf or something. And I yeah. was like, nah. Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know me. I'm going to give everything a chance yeah. at first. And I like the first two seasons, but then they went off on that weird stuff. Because they were trying to piece together the murder on the island and finding clues about the history of the island and the no, history of this lore. It was more like some ghost. Scooby-Doo shit. Like. <laughs> yeah, but it was like it was totally unrelated to the other two seasons except for the fact that the main character was in it. Well, all of the main character. Like, it brought all the people that have survived through it like back to the island and... <laughs> I don't watch TV, so yeah, I'm, yeah. I would have never watched it. You would it not for like this, this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that—that's literally my main issue with TV shows is just how they just keep going on until they die out. Yeah. What's your favorite scary movie? <laughs> I'm not Scream Five. <laughs> I'm with you. Scream Four is the best, and I will stand by that. I mean, obviously, mine's Scream. But yeah. <laughs> been there, done that. Yeah, we've been there. Yeah. It's a good choice, though. Yeah, check out my letterbox. You can see all my favorite movies. <laughs> Katie plug in the letterbox. Five out of five. The best. A banger. A banger. Yeah, but Katie didn't like the Empty Man. The Empty Man was dumb. Oh, Girl. my oh, no. God. Whatever. That's one of the best horror movies that's recently come out. <laughs> that is a banger. Katie right said now. half star would not rewatch. She gave it two stars. Mm. Did you see what I rated? Nope. Yeah, two stars. Oh, also, gave note rough. two stars. That was rough. God, no ma'am, no ma'am. That is awful. The next many questions is gonna be me and Katie debating against you two about different movies and how we like them and y'all hate them and vice versa. That'll do. All right. Well, that's the end of this mini quest. Uh, give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Share us with your friends. Hope you're enjoying our content. Comment if there's anything you want us to talk about. And uh, we'll see y'all next time.